When I say it's so good to see you, that is such an understatement. Um, and there's a, the lobby's full. There's over 500 and some people on devices watching online. Those of you online, we bless you. We honor you. Um, you see us, and we see your heart, and we see your vision, and we see your passion. But I, I was overwhelmed with emotion this morning. I still am. I'm not sure I'm going to get through this. Um, Amos said to me what I say to all these younger boys when they all come out here to preach. Right before they come out, I say to all these boys, very few people ever get a chance to do this. Go have fun and let it rip. I'm about to walk out, and Amos said, Kurt, very few people get to do this. Go have fun and let it rip. I thought, that was great. I said, that's really good advice, Amos. I'm going to remember that. So we're going to start with a familiar story. If you're online at home, get your Bibles, Matthew chapter 19. We're going to read some scripture out of Matthew 19. It's a familiar story. We've been talking about worship and how worship works, how being a priest. But let's all come together today. Maybe it's a little bit of a a review for some of you, but this is a time for us to catch up and to, um, to just go forward together. So this is a story called The Rich Young Ruler. It's a man who comes to Jesus in Matthew chapter 19. We're going to start with verse 16. And I want to see if you can discover the most important three little words in this story. There are three words in this story that I'm asking you to remember for the rest of your life. And so I'll read a couple of verses and then I'll ask the team maybe, what do you remember about the story? Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? It's a pretty good question, isn't it? Why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Well, which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and your mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, all these I've kept, he said, since I was a young lad. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come and follow me. And when the young man heard this, what happened? He went away sad because he had great wealth. John Mark, there's three little words that capture this story, but what do we usually talk about? What do we focus on in those verses? Help us with that. Oh, for sure. Uh, most people just, when we, when, when we read this, we think about giving your possessions, giving your possessions away, and what that would be like, especially someone who has a lot of possessions. It's probably why this guy walked away really sad. Um, but also the commandments, keeping the commandments. Those, those two things kind of popped out. Yeah, so you've heard sermons on oh, you got to yeah. give it all away and all away. keep all the commandments and right. go sell. Sell your stuff. You'll sell yourself, baby. Sell yourself, right? Yeah. All right. Those are not the three little words. Let's keep reading the story together. Matthew 19, 23. Then Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. 
When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, and they asked, well, then who can be saved? Because in that culture, it was assumed that, that poor people were poor because God didn't bless them. And wealthy people were wealthy because God had his hand of favor on them. So when Jesus is telling this story, they're so confused because it's an upside-down story. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And Peter, Peter wants to get in on this, and he always kind of got in on the deal, didn't he? Not always the right way, but he, always wanted to, he never wanted to be left out. So Peter says, uh, by the way, uh, Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Kind of a self-centered question, isn't it? All right. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, with the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious thrones, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. Joy, tell us what you hear out of those verses. What do we usually talk about in this sermon? Yes, I've heard a lot of messages on this um, <laughs> commentaries. We usually go with how to be poor okay, and how to be perfect, All right, uh, which are both the wrong interpretation of this passage for sure. Um, we hear a lot about how Jesus only paid attention to those who were poor. He, did, he walked over and condemned those who were wealthy. So a lot of bad things that we've learned from this passage. But I know you're going to clear that up today. You've heard 50 sermons. Thank you, Joy. That's good. She's right. You have heard 50 different messages on the rich young ruler. I think we miss those. And in my quiet time, in my secret place about a month ago, three little words jumped out at me, and I finally said, that's it. That's the entire point of the message that Jesus gives. Look with me in Matthew 19. Go back to verse 29. He says, Jesus says, everyone who left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or wives or children or fields, there, there's the three words. What are they? For my sake. Say it with me. For my sake. If you're in your living room at home and you're too cool, do it anyway. For my sake. This is the whole point of this story. It's not about whether you're rich or poor, whether you kept the commandments or didn't keep the commandments. Jesus says, here's what this is all about. This is why you're here today. This is why you're online today. This is why you've kept your faith. This is why when Jesus said, I will build my church and not even the gates of Hades or a pandemic will stand against it. This is why you're here for his sake. You are here today to worship. And those of you that are online, when you heard that song about, about the blood and the, how that last song, I mean, my gosh, again, we're back here backstage with tears and you're singing with all your hearts. Why are you here for his sake? Why do you worship for his sake? Why would you leave houses or fathers or mothers or fields for his sake? Why would you give tithes and offerings for his sake? Why would you give your time and energy for his sake? Why would you then be obedient and keep the commandments for his sake? Everything about this story, everything about your life, these three little words will define the rest of your life. I don't know how you've done in the pandemic. I don't know how you've done since March. We haven't seen a lot of you since March. I haven't run into you. We don't see some of you because you're in other countries now. Welcome. You're in other states. 
welcome. We're so glad that you're part of Harborside. You even went through the next class. Those of you out of state took the next class, and you're now members of Harborside, but you live in Iowa. Welcome, farm boy. We're glad to have you. Hey, we're glad to have you. This is a story about the culture of your life. Everything you say, everything you do, everything you think, for his sake. This is why you get up. This is why you go to the secret place. This is why you go to a meeting place. This is, again, why you spend time praying for people that need Christ. All of this comes back to for his sake. You see, you can't forgive people if it's for your sake. You can't let it go if life's about you. You're going to have these hard issues and not serve Christ the way he's intended it to you to do if it's all for you. you. And so I want to give you a mindset. May we as a church never be the same coming through this. You see, we have a secret place and we have a meeting place and they're two different places, but they're both for you. And both of these for you are for his sake, for you to be the priest that he has called you to be. And so why would you be a priest for his sake? Why would you be a priestess for his sake? Why would you learn what it means to be a priest? Because all of this comes back to what he has in store for you. Haven't you figured out by now that life's bigger than eating and drinking and going to work and making money and taking a vacation? Have you figured that out by now? See, life's about living it for him and for his sake and for his purposes. All right, let's go up a little bit. If this story's all about for his sake, and he tells this story to the rich young ruler so the rich young ruler could live the rest of his life this way. And by the way, by the way, you got a choice to make because he walked away. And we don't even know his name. We won't know your name. Heaven won't know your name. Holy history won't know your name unless you live for his sake. And that's why we do this. So let's go up just a little bit and let's talk about God's plan A. You see, this is why in the children's area today, Jesus is the special person. And in the children's curriculum right now with your kids online at home and the kids back there in the, in the youth area, children's area, they're going to make Jesus a special person because they were learning that everything is for his, for his sake. That's right. All right, let's talk about being a priest. Because again, if you go right back into the same lifestyle that you had, and you don't go to work realizing that you're a priest, you're missing it. If you don't go back to school realizing that you're a priest, you're missing it. If you don't go back into your neighborhood, even with neighbors that you may not like or get along with, and recognize that you are a priest, you're never going to be able to live your life, the destiny that he's called you to have. And it's all for his sake. So plan A was for you to be a priest. Plan A was for you to do four things. Your identity as a priest, your function are four things. So I want us to come up now a couple hundred thousand feet and get the big picture one more time. This was God's plan and God's will for us to be a nation of priests. So Danita, would you start for us? Read for us um, Exodus 19, verse five and six. Sure. 
Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So what happened? The golden calf. The golden calf happened and there was disobedience. And now only one tribe stepped up and that was the tribe of Levites. But that was never plan A. Plan A was that there would be a nation, a kingdom of priests. You say, well, Kurt, that was the OT. That was in the Old Testament. I'm so glad you asked that. John Mark, read for us 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 5 and 9. Last time I checked, that's in the NT. Yes. <laughs> All right, read that for us. 1 Peter. 1 Peter 2, 5. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And verse 9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So there's a couple passages there in the first in, in First Peter that talk about basically how we are priests today. Joy, there's two verses in Revelation that talk about us wanting to be priests. Read Revelation 1, 6 and 5, 10. Revelation 1, 6, he has made us to be a kingdom of priests to serve God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Okay. All right. So plan A, whatever God designed, he's going to get. And he designed for you and me to be a nation, a kingdom of priests. And so how do we do that? That is our identity. I want to make sure we're clear on this. It is absolutely your identity to be a priest everywhere you go. Every culture, every environment, every school, every home, every neighborhood, every Target, every Walmart, every grocery store, every place you go, every, everywhere you are, you are to be a nation of priests. That's your identity. And your identity is to be a priest. Now, how do we do this? What are the four functions that a priest has to have? And I'm going to ask you to embrace this. So, Kaylin, start with the first one, because the first one is where to carry his presence. When you hear carry his presence, what does that say to you? It says a lot. Sometimes I'm the kind of person that I have to hear something a couple of times before I get it. And it took me back to this word that you spoke a couple of years ago about how the dove rests on our shoulder mm -hmm. and how that's us carrying the presence. And just a couple of weeks ago, I connected the dots to, oh my gosh, this is our function as a priest to carry this dove on our shoulder. And I think what it's done is it's heightened my awareness to, okay, I'm carrying the presence of the Lord Almighty not for my sake, but for his. That is so, so good. So let me ask you this. If you're like me, I carry it and then I drop it. Okay, am I the only honest one here in the, in the room today? Okay, I carry it and then it spills and I trip. And I'm like, whoa, 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 where, where did that go? The dove just flew. I just stepped on the dove and killed the dove, okay? <laughs> And I think why we struggle with this so much is because we know we got it, and then where did it go? We have it, and my goodness, it just, it just spills out. You're a priest. That's who he declares you to be. And as a priest, we are to carry his presence. And so I just want to remind us of a couple verses, and these aren't going to come on the screen. I just, just listen to me. 
Paul says over and over and over again, please get this, please get this, please understand this. And Paul is pleading with the Christians at Ephesus. And Paul says in in Ephesians chapter um, 1, verse 17, he says, I keep asking. Now, if the apostle Paul keeps asking, it means it's something we got to get. And Paul says, I keep asking. I'm asking that you Ephesians get this. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you might know him better. So he's saying, I want you to understand who you are. I want you to understand your identity, but I also want you to understand your function. Now, this is one of those present continuous verbs, which means I got it, but I got to get it. I got it, but I got to keep getting it. I have it, but it's got to keep growing and growing and growing inside of me. If the Apostle Paul's praying for the people of Ephesians to get this at Ephesus, he's praying for you and he's praying for me. Oh God, open our eyes. Oh God, illuminate the eyes of our heart. That means every man going to work tomorrow is to carry his presence. And he's hoping that you will have the eyes of your heart enlightened. Every woman going to work tomorrow, he is praying that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened and you will carry his presence. Every child going to school, every stay-at-home mom. Can you imagine a stay-at-home mom not having the presence of God inside of her? What's she going to be like all day long? What's she going to be like when he gets home from work? You imagine a father who doesn't carry the presence. And so Paul's saying, I keep asking. I'm asking you to get this. So friends, this is a non-negotiable for Harborside. As we go forward, we're going to keep helping you be filled with the presence of God. There's too much at stake for you not to be filled with the presence. There's too much at stake just to come into a meeting place and to leave this feeling good and then going out in the community and not impacting your community. You are a priest. You are a priest. You are a priest. You've been designed to impact every environment. You've been designed to change the culture. So you go to work, and all of a sudden, there's a priest in the room. Now there's a priest. And a priest then prays for healing. And a priest prays for blessings. And a priest prays for favor. And a priest prays for open doors. There's a priest in the room, and that's you. It's not just those of us that are ordained pastors on stage. It's a nation of priests. Every verse that we read was not about just an individual. It was about a community. Can you imagine every father comes home and he's carrying the presents and that father then leads his kids. I never wanted my kids to look at me. I always wanted my kids to look over my shoulder and see the heavenly father. Every mom all day long carrying the presence of Christ, she'll know what to say. She'll know what to do. She'll know how to help. She'll know how to respond. All day long, no matter what you're doing, you're carrying the presence. Now get this. It's not you, it's what's inside of you. That's why you go to the secret place. If you don't go to the secret place, you got nothing inside of you. Oh, you're going to carry something. You're going to carry yourself. There's only three spirits that you can carry, evil spirit, human spirit, Holy Spirit. There's only three. And you're going to carry one of those three spirits throughout the course of your day. But God didn't send his son Jesus to die on a cross so you could just come into a meeting place and feel good. You come to the meeting place to get equipped. We come in here to get equipped. You go into the secret place now to know how to pray. And we're going to talk about that next week. 
as we talk about the altar of incense inside of the tabernacle. So it's not you, it's what's inside of you. Just a real quick story. This past week, um, I got a text from Griffin and one of our families lost a 26-year-old daughter to drug overdose. He gave me the number of the woman. I called the woman and the woman and I are on the phone and I'm, I'm a priest. I carry the presence of Jehovah. And within just a matter of moments, the Holy Spirit was able to comfort. It wasn't me. It's not you. It's not what's It's not you. It's what's inside of you. Everywhere you go, as a nurse, as a lawyer, as a doctor, as a school teacher, as a plumber, you carry the presence of Jehovah. And that's what's so exciting about this, is he came to put his Holy Spirit in you and came to put his Holy Spirit on you. It's what Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, that you're an ambassador for Christ. And so everywhere you go, you're, a, you're the aroma of Christ. So who are you? you? Seven of you. Who are you? You're a priest. Thousand of you at home? 500 of you in the lot? You're, you're a priest. That's your identity. One of your functions is to carry his presence. The second one, though, Danita, tell us about the second one, because the second one's really cool, too. What's well, the second one? I think one? about... Carrying his presence um, enables me to bless others. And I do not bless um, through my own self. So I see people as a priest, through, not through my lenses, but through God's lenses. And through God's lenses, he can see a, a piece of coal in, buried in the dirt and look at it and see a diamond. That's how God sees and so as a, as a priest and I give these blessings, it catalyzes the future and the potential of someone. So I don't see it in their person in their current situation. I see them as who they can become. Now, this is easier, I think, with small children. I mean, you can look at them and see their natural bents and their natural giftedness and think, okay, it's easy to kind of compliment or um, encourage them in certain areas. And um, for example, like with um, Asher, our almost one-year-old grandson, he's, he's strong and determined. And so I like to, to bless him and say, may the Lord bless you um, with greater strength and mighty strength. And may your strength equal your days, Asher. And may you be a mighty man for the Lord. And I think about Callie, our, our two-year-old granddaughter. And I'll sit her at, down at the piano and, and she'll find all the C's on the keyboard. And she'll go back to middle C and begin to play her little song. And I'll say, Callie, you, God will bless you. May he bless you as the greatest musician for him. And may he make music through you all the days of your life. But I find this a little more challenging with adults because I think our human flesh, our human nature is to judge. And so we have presuppositions about people to begin with. And so this is the reason it is so critical to ask the father, how do you want me to view this person? How do you want me to see this person? And then how do you want me to bless this person through your words? See, it's not my words. I, I look to the father, just as Jesus says, I do not speak 
my own words. I speak what the Father says to me to speak. So you go to the Father and you say, Father, how do you see this person? And how can I bless this person? Uh, just recently, I was talking to a friend and, and I said to her, I said, you are a Sarah. I see this in you. And may God strengthen that measure of faith that he's given you. You are willing to leave your home, your community, your state, and go to a different home, community, and state. You are a Sarah. And I say to you today, he's pleased with your faith. And may God continue to bless that measure of faith and strengthen you in the days to come as you're obedient. Because obedience is always a part. They're, they're interchanged. Um, faith and obedience, they, they go together. They work together. So that is the way I believe as priests we are to bless the young and the middle-aged and the old. We ask the Father, tell us how you see them through your lenses. Uh, you're right. It's a lot easier for children and it's difficult for adults who aren't doing well. It's difficult for adults who are not coloring within the line, so, so to speak. But as priests, we see them as God sees them. God, give us your eyes for him. Give us your, your eyes for her. And we're not naming it and claiming it. We are just pronouncing blessings over them. This is not who you designed her to be. This is not who you designed him to be. And so what a priest does is you make lists of all these people in your life that aren't doing well. And you begin to catalyze their future. This is where they need to go. This is where, so a priest, you're a priest, that's your identity. One of your functions is to carry his presence. The second one is to bless the people. You pronounce blessings. And thirdly, you steward meeting places. Everywhere you go is a meeting place. This really fits for you, Ethan. Why don't you take this one? Okay, yeah. I really do love this meeting place analogy because here we are. Uh, we're in a meeting place right now, right? We're all here together. Uh, you get to see people. I get to see you guys for the first time in a long time. And it's so good to be here with you. And so as we meet here, um, something we've been talking about is as we meet with the Lord, we grab a hold of the hand of God. And when we go out into this earth, uh, we see people that maybe don't know the Lord or, or maybe are confused, and we grab hold of their hand. And I love the symbolism to that. Maybe it's literal, but uh, the, for now it's, it's symbolism that we're grabbing someone's hand and saying, hey, I'm with you. And the whole purpose is for us to connect their hand with the hand of God, right? We're not the good shepherd. We're not the doctor who can take care of their needs. We're there to connect their hand with the hand of God. And so what's beautiful about this is this is the, who the Lord has called us to be, that we are connectors from the hand of God uh, to the hand of earth. And so that's how we steward meeting places. And you can stu you steward meeting places everywhere you go, it, whether it's at the hospital or whether it's in your home or your neighborhood or your workplace or your school or wherever, you steward meeting places. But, but you can't steward the meeting places if you're not carrying his presence. You have to carry his presence in order for, that, for you to be the hands and feet of God. Amos, the last one that a priest does is he ministers unto God. And that's a little weird for us to think about us ministering to a holy God. So how would you describe that? Yeah, it's, it's weird. Um, how do I minister to a God who is big, who knows all, has all? How do you, what gift do you present to the person who has everything? And um, 
I think what's important about understanding ministering to the Lord is first know that you can um, and know that he wants you to and know that that's a level of intimacy with the father that Jesus died for you to have where God can minister to you, but you can also minister to God. Um, Now, the how behind that is the way that I look at it is based off of where have you placed God? Have you placed him on the left? Have you placed him on the right? Have you placed him on the back? The only place that God can and should inhabit is above. Have you placed God above what you're saying about yourself? Have you placed God above what other people are saying about your situation? Have you placed God above whatever you see for yourself in the future? Mm -hmm. And what you do now is you take these scriptures and you take these promises that God has and you say, God, here's what you've said about this situation. It's no longer about my will. Even the word minister means to bow and to serve. And so you are serving your will to God's will. It's like, God, here's what I see. Here's what the situation is saying. Here's what the doctors are saying. Here's what my family is saying. Here's what the world is saying. But God, here's what you're saying. And when you do that, you've placed God above every situation. And that's how you begin to minister to the Lord. Know that you can and place him above everything in your life. So look at all four of those one more time. You see all four of those. You see that basically ministering unto the Lord and carrying his presence, they they go hand in hand. That's why I kind of bookend them. You, You To carry his presence... That's how you minister to the Lord. When you minister unto the Lord in the secret place, in the meeting place, that's when you get, you get more and you get more of his presence. So why did we, in the middle of a pandemic, create an album called The Secret Place? For years and years and years, we've wanted to give you a tool that would help you to have that, we used to call it a quiet time, whatever you want to call it, it's your time with God. Because you see, if, if, if you don't spend time alone with the Lord, you won't be filled with the presence. But when you spend time alone with him, that's when you begin to get insight. And that's when Paul said, I'm just praying you get it. I'm just praying you get that spirit of wisdom and revelation. And also Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3.20, I got, God's got more for you than you could ever dream, ask, or imagine in store for you because of his immeasurable great power that's at work inside of you. And so we're encouraging you with a tool to spend some, now you say, I've never done that before. Then just take one song. Take a seven-minute song on the new album. Just take seven minutes. Or there's a section in there called pray, or there's a section called read. Just listen to the music. And if you've never done this before, carve out seven minutes and spend time alone with God. But there's an hour and 37 minutes of a tool that can help you to get into the secret place. You know what? I got nothing to offer you if I'm not in the secret place. I have nothing. I've got a human spirit to give you counsel and wisdom. And you don't want to hear from another human. That human's just as foolish and dumb as you are. You don't need another human. You need something supernatural. You need the Holy Spirit of God speaking truth into your life. And so we've given you a tool. And if you don't need the tool, great. Just listen to it and enjoy it. But the whole reason that 
we as a church put this project together is because we realized something. We realized that when life's going good and life's going well, you can fake it till you make it. But you haven't been able to fake it during this pandemic. There's pain and there's fear. I've never seen so much fear in all my life. I've never seen so much division in our country as I've seen the last several months. But there's a solution, and his name is called Jesus, and he's the Savior of the world. And so this is why we always end a service with really what's the beginning of your life, and it's your salvation. Jesus, this great verse in Revelation 3.20 and it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, that's the key, and opens the door. If anyone hears my voice and what? Opens the door. I will come in. And so as we get ready to take communion this morning, those of you at home, get your supplies out of the kitchen maybe. You're on the lanai. You may be in the pool, in the jacuzzi. I don't care what you're doing. Get your communion supplies. Those of us that are here, if you will, we'll get ready. If you missed your supplies, they're in the back. You bring it, you catch them on the way in. But you're carrying something right now. And what are you carrying? Are you carrying bitterness from the election this past week, month? year? Any bitterness in Republicans or Democrats' hearts? We're not Republicans or Democrats. We're not white or black. We're not male or female. We are one in Jesus Christ. We belong to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the great I Am. And we are His church and we are His body. And if you're carrying anything that's evil, if you're carrying anything that's human, this is the time to say, Lord, take it away from me. Are you carrying some jealousy or some, some bitterness? Are you carrying some guilt and shame? Those promises in the scriptures, he has cleansed you of all unrighteousness. This is a time for us this morning during the Lord's Supper, during the Eucharist, during communion. This is a time for us to not carry anything but Jesus Christ in Him alone. You walked in here carrying something. I walked in here carrying some anxiety this morning about this. We're going to carry the Holy Spirit of God. We're going to put the dove on us He's already in us. He's already in us. It, it, it's kind of like a water hose. You can turn that hose on minimal, or you can turn it on full blast. And when it's on full blast, it's got power. That's what we're asking right now. Lord, we confess our sins. We confess our harmful actions. We confess our self-centeredness. We confess our greed. We confess our lust. We confess what's come out of our mouths. We confess what's in our hearts. 
Behold, you stand at the door and knock. If we hear your voice and open the door, we're opening the door. We open the door. We're opening the door, Lord Jesus. Come in. Come in. And then you promise fellowship. You will have a meal with us. You want to do life with us. So right now we come and we partake of your body and your blood. We praise and glorify your great name. So let's eat the the bread and we'll drink the, the wine together, which represents his body and his blood. Will you be a priest? See, the rich young ruler, I actually think he was looking for God. I do. I actually think he was on to something. I think he was trying. But he met the Savior of the world and he walked away from Jesus Christ. Those of you at home, in other countries, in other states, I give my life to you, Jesus. I open the door. And as priests, we open the door today. We open the door tomorrow. I'm, I'm, I'm begging you. He's your hands, you're his hands and feet. If you don't have hope and you don't have faith and you don't have power and you don't have passion, nobody else will. It doesn't matter your circumstances. It doesn't matter your home. It doesn't matter your work environment. You are a priest. And everywhere you go, the wind changes because you're carrying the presence of God. That's the nation of priests that we're going to be a part of forever and forever. So tomorrow morning, seven and seven, tomorrow morning, get into the secret place. Today, all day long, I hope this wrecks your day. I really do. I I want this to wreck your day. (laughs) I love you. Most of you. (laughs) I love all of you. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart, we're, we're, we're priests together. And I just can't tell you how, I, I really can't, I cannot express um, my love for you. Danita, I'm going to start preaching again. Why don't you close us in prayer? Close okay, I'll close us in prayer. Lord, we come and we say as all of your people, it has been good to be in your house. We worship you, King Jesus. And it will be for your sake that we will walk each day in your presence, carrying your presence, blessing others, worshiping, ministering to you. Lord, we commit today to meet you in that secret place every day forth for the rest of our lives. We are people. We praise you. You've called us out of darkness into the marvelous light. And today we have joy. We have indescribable joy for what you've done for us. We worship you, King Jesus, and it is in your name that we pray. Amen.
Amen. God bless you. Let's go out peacefully. Let's go out calmly. Some can go out the doors. Uh, Just, again, walk in the power. God bless you. Thanks for being here. Amen.